Welcome to the MFA Made for Agriculture podcast. Here are your hosts, Adam Jones and Cameron Horine. All right, folks. Well, welcome to this episode of the podcast. I'm one of your hosts, uh, Adam Jones, um, sitting here with with a few folks who are uh, experts in this world, uh, for sure. I'm uh, I'm really excited about this episode. I think everybody is going to be able to glean some really good information um, from this topic. We want to talk a little bit today about planter setup, planter maintenance. Uh, you know, we're about halfway through the winter here, and uh, everybody's planters, you know, peacefully stored away in a farm shop somewhere. Uh, hopefully a heated farm shop in, <laughs> in everyone's yeah. case, not, not in mine, unfortunately. Um, but from there, you know, we want to talk about some things that we can do this time of year uh, to, to help us succeed going into 2021. And, and so uh, we've got two guests along here with, with Cameron and I today. So we want, uh, want them to introduce themselves and we can go around the table however you guys want to. But I'll let, I'll let one of you start. Clockwise sounds good to me. Oh, I'm Jared Harding. Uh, District Precision Sales Manager with MFA Incorporated since March of 2013. Kind of cover up in the Northwest Missouri, South Central and Southwest Iowa territories. Doing uh, any and all things precision, whether that's verberate fertilizer or planter equipment, auto steer, precision equipment, things like that. Cool. Oh, it's me? Uh, yeah, I'm Matt Stock. I'm the large agronomy account manager. So I cover pretty much the entire company. I don't spend a lot of time in the boot heels, so I cover most of Missouri and parts of Kansas. I, I handle anything and everything agronomy. So seed, fertilizer, ag chem, uh, kind of work towards larger accounts. Yeah. Jack of all trades, but you've got some experience. Oh, yeah. You've got right. some experience on the side, too, a little bit with the personal... Yeah. I, I started in January of 2010 in the precision world and just kind of moved out of there about a year and a half, two years ago. Okay. So, they, so you got plenty of precision experience. You've dealt with plenty of planners and doing maintenance oh, and stuff yeah. like that. So. Oh, yeah. I've been around a lot. So uh, kind of as a starter to this, I know you guys, uh, your phone rings off the hook all spring when everybody's out there running the field, right? Nobody calls until the thing flies apart and they need something at, at 9 p.m. So kind of what I want to lead with here is is what are some of the things, um, you know, other than my monitor won't work. So what are some button. things that we can be doing this time of year uh, to really prevent some of those breakdowns in the spring? Kind of what are what are some of the common things, that you, most common things that you've seen over the years from people calling you? I mean, I would honestly, one of the first things I'd say is just get the planner out or get it into, get it into the actual working shop um, get your eyes on it. Um, a lot of times it's stuff that can be prevented. Um, it's just, you know, in the rush of spring, you get done planting, guys are tired and they park the planter and then they don't want to think about it again till March. And if we get it out now, I mean, there's a lot that can be found on a planter from, from bad bearings. I mean, honestly, by the end of the season, they're, they're kind of in a rush getting it done. So there may be some things that they're running. Yeah. And they probably well, should fix them. We've got a closing lot. wheels completely yeah, missing. Things like that. <laughs> a, a lot of cleaners gone. They yeah. already know that there's a problem, but they yeah. get like you said, they get done at the end of the season. They park it and think, all right, I need to work on that. Mm-hmm. This time of year, they put it in cold storage and it doesn't come out. And then they get it out a week before they want to plant and can't remember everything. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Some of that stuff. Falls I mean, the yep. They, like you guys said, they park it. Like oh now I need to get all my spray get get in the sprayer start getting take care of that you know maybe they're running cattle they're trying to move cattle around something like that you know they completely don't think about it oh I'll get to it later well by the time they think about getting to it then it's time to hop in the combine and start getting that ready and then next thing you know they're in a complete cycle and they just oh, it, and the planter is not the only thing that breaks down it has problems mm-hmm. I mean it it's almost nice try to keep a notebook or something. You know, get notes on your phone, start writing stuff down that's broke. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so is there anything on the monitor, like I had mentioned the monitor because I know that comes up a lot. Is there, is there anything on, you know, kind of you guys, have, I'm sure, have seen it all from the KPM stuff on the Kinsey's to the to the John Deere displays. Is there anything kind of on those things that you, that you can watch out for, fire it up, make sure everything's running this time of year, cleaning sensors? What kind of stuff should I be looking for kind of on a monitor? 
I mean, I, I try and get guys to get in the habit of pulling those out, those monitors out of the cabs over the winter, just because the cold is pretty tough on them, and not a lot of guys do it. Right. Um, but that that'd be one of the first maintenance things for the monitors, monitors specifically, um, your touchscreen monitors, maybe not so much the KPM um, monitor and things like that, but getting them out of the cab so they're not affected by the cold so much. Um, but, you know, getting those out, getting them fired up, making sure it's reading everything on the planner from the modules and, and sensors, make sure we don't have any sensors throwing alarms on your KPMs or on the, on the monitor itself if it's ran through the monitor. Um, you know, that, that can point you to a lot of issues right off the bat, just getting it fired up. Well, and there's, there's functionality things you can do if you're hooked up at that point. I mean, you can, if we had some hydraulic drive issues or we, we want to look through the drive system, we can get those hydraulic drives to sit there and start spinning. We can, uh, we can play with clutches and mm -hmm. see if they're firing. Mm -hmm. uh, you, get, you get one sticky. What, yep. what, what's the problem? Why is that clutch sticking? Is it a, a chain issue on like a Kinsey planter? Yep. You know, chain's too tight, too whatever. Um, yeah, and the beauty of that is you can do that all in the nice warm shop without requiring GPS, and you can trick the system like it's actually going through the field to run. People have warm shops that we can work in? Yeah, well, some <laughs> yeah. <of them> maybe. <laughs> you pass across some phone numbers because mine's cold, <laughs> I can tell you that. <laughs> I'm going to have to start working with you. Yeah. I'm speaking hypothetically. If you had a warm <laughs> shop, oh, I don't ever get to work in <laughs> No, I like it. Yeah, I mean, I just I know like the monitor issues uh, come up and that. It, but as so as you're going through the planner, I mean, is it is it just literally grabbing stuff and, and trying to make it wiggle, see if you got a bearing out? I mean, what else? What else are you? Some of you got are you looking for kind well, of through the I'm, through a the lot of it's touchy feely. Yeah, I mean, bearings obviously you, you can feel those. You can feel them when they're starting to get tight. Sure. Um, if you can spin something, that's the best way to look at it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. If you if you're if you're running. Your drive system's not ground driven, then you know you've got the extra benefit there. You can actually run it, and yeah, just getting those things moving and sound is going to be a well, big the, way to tell a lot of that stuff. Even ground drive setups, uh, Kinsey and Deer, they use seven eighths hex shaft. Mm -hmm. You know, if you got the drive dogs or something on the on the wing of a planter, take that off, put a seven eighths socket on there, and turn it with a drill or impact. Mm -hmm. Get somebody else to do that, and you can watch chains. You can watch pro drives. You can, you can, you can watch anything you want. Yeah, sure. That's a good, it's a good yep. idea there to, to just get the thing running in the shop. Uh, the same goes for starter fertilizer systems. If they're ground driven starter fertilizer systems, you can spin those pumps with a drill or an impact, mm -hmm. and you know, obviously it's going to make a mess in a shop. But you know, you get a nice day, and it's not going to freeze early spring. That's something you can do as well. Right. Right. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And so what are some of the most common things that, you know, a lot of those row unit, you know, there's there's multiple aspects of it hitting the ground right there. And so we've got a lot of wear points. Mm -hmm. I mean, what's kind of the number one thing you guys see wear out um, when you walk around a guy's planter? Um, you're like, oh, my gosh, that's wore out. Uh, a lot of bearing, a lot of bearing hangers for the for the planter shaft. I see a lot of a lot of bad chains. A lot of bad uh, chain tensioners on your Kinsey yep. and older deer styles where that chain comes from the drive shaft down mm -hmm. to the meter. Um, a lot of those get worn through. They get neglected. And I catch a lot of those whenever I'm doing installs. In fact, a lot of times we end up putting all new ones on whenever they're doing that because they're just kind of kind of forgotten about. I mean, yeah. look at what moves on that planter. As you go across the field, your parallel arms are sitting there jumping the entire time. Your closing wheel assembly is moving constantly. Your gauge wheels are moving constantly. So anything that's sitting there moving is going to have wear. So bushings on parallel arms uh, are a big one. The bigger the planter gets, the, the more apt we are to probably have some bent parallel arms just mm -hmm. due to uh, we're not in an area that we plant square fields and so you, you start right. turning a 24 row planter yep what's going to happen to your outside rows they torque mm -hmm. sure yep and so you get bushings on there that go bad uh parallel arms may may twist bend whatever i mean a straight edge is your friend at that point yeah so talk a little bit about consequences of of allowing some of that wear to persist on a planter so Maybe I'm not very good at, at maintaining it. You end up with bent parallel arms or closing wheels that, that aren't running true. What can that do to, to kind of my seat spacing and, and what I'm looking at? 
I mean, ultimately, you get that stuff kind of bent and you're roading, it gets tweaked. You're not running true. You can get a gauge wheel hanging up, start bulldozing, um, messing up your seed trench, messing up your singulation, you're pushing seeds. You're not getting a good seed drop. I'm going to say seed depth is going to be the biggest depth probably. Depth is bad. Yeah. Uh, or inconsistent. Inc I guess. Inconsistent. Yeah, inconsistent. Yeah. So you get a twisted parallel arm or get get a twist to that shank or something like that, that, that unit's not going to go in the ground. It's mm -hmm. not going to do what it's supposed to do. The, the true Vs are going to be sitting there at, a, at an angle. It's going to be trying to dog leg across the field, and it's just not going to go to the right depth, or it won't go could go too deep. Yeah, I mean, I mean ultimately, if your gauge wheels are, are are hammered out. The gauge wheel arms are hammered out. You think it's set for an inch and three quarter. And I mean, ultimately, with the planter pass, you're trying to get the seed out there, obviously, but leave about as small a footprint as you possibly can. And mm -hmm. if, if those are tweaked, you're you're not leaving a small footprint at that point. Sure, you, you mentioned the true V opener or the double disc opener, as, as some people would call it. And I, and I think sometimes people forget that those the angles that those blades are on, like that is meant to be precise, to put a seed at a certain depth and leave the bottom of the trench shaped a certain way. It, it needs to be clean. All those kind of things. Yeah. So, you know, as they wear or if they've got a wiggle in the bearing or something like that can significantly I mean, affect you, the you, angle that it is. You go from a V opening to a W. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and at that point... You're you're messing with seed placement, seed depth. You're you're you may have Keaton's or some other sort of seed firmer at that point that's not going to be doing its job. If that seeds off to the side. They have a tendency to flip that seed out of the trench, mm -hmm. especially at the speeds that we run. Yeah. Now versus what yeah. we were doing. Yeah. You know, 10, 15 years ago. So I mean, and I know a lot of the the newer stuff. You know the drives where we're, we're dumping the seed all the way at the bottom of the boot now instead of just out of the meter mm -hmm. i mean how fast is that like some of that stuff allows you to run how I fast mean, i never suggest it sure you you, you could probably you could it close to 10 close to 10 i mean right. you know, there's and, some on the market that are claiming 12 and yeah and and Maybe you can push it that hard. Is it going to be the best placement ever? No, no, and, and it, again, that it, it, we can do it, but you're, you're also putting added stress on the planner. Sure, mm -hmm. but, but I guess my point is that uh, any of those little minor tweaks, maintenance wise, are they're, they're going to make a drastic effect. I mean, a 10 mile an hour, may, yeah. like four miles an hour, it may kind of get covered for, but at 10 yeah. miles an hour, it yeah. really makes a big difference. At, at five yeah. mile an hour, if that row unit jumps up or, or, or whatever jumps an inch. 10 mile an hour you're traveling you're covering twice the distance so yep. i mean that's twice as many seeds it could be affected yep yep for sure yeah no that's it's good stuff you you mentioned some of the some of the add-ons um and, and i want a little i want to talk a little bit about kind of planner attachments and what works and what doesn't um <laughs> <laughs> so, because I'm sure you've seen it all. You know, you show up and, and one guy's got fancy row cleaners and somebody's got, you know, a, a, an aftermarket closing wheel system and all that kind of stuff. So just going through a few of the things that, that you see out there and, and kind of some tips. Like if, if you are looking at something or if you are going to run something, you know, here's something to watch out for. So row cleaners, I guess we can start at the beginning of the of the planner with, with row cleaners. Yeah. Um, you know, some of them come with them, some of them don't. What do you guys see guys running? What what seems to work? What doesn't work? Uh, it's kind of all over the board as far as what row cleaners. I mean, you gotta you gotta buy the row cleaner based on your ground. It's yeah. not a one row cleaner is gonna work for yep. everybody that mm -hmm. could be listening to this. No, so you're no. That's it, some guys will get by on a no till situation. They like the the curved sharp tooth, mm -hmm. and it works great. Um, some guys like a straight tine in a minimum till position soil types going to affect that as well mm -hmm. uh, yeah kind of you know yeah like he said it's it's going to be all on the type of ground and and your operation but a lot of times it comes down to operating them correctly and mm -hmm. more often than not i see them just setting at one setting and they run because they're a pain to they're a pain to adjust yeah but i mean they're designed to literally just barely touch the ground you know, if they're spinning all the time, you've probably yeah. got them set too low. Hey, well, yeah. What do you call it? You, you say they need to kiss it. Yeah, just barely needs to kiss the ground with the trash. That's all it's there for is just get the trash out of the way so everything else behind it can do its job making that seed trench. Well, yeah, absolutely. You don't want it bulldozing a hole open. Oh, I mean, it, right. you know, you think about that. If you got the row cleaner, if you got those row cleaners, it's 
open it up a whole new trench. Well, then by the time you have double disc openers, you're making another trench. Next thing you know, you have a perfectly clean little row that you're running, and then next, and then you know how we are. We're trying to beat mm-hmm. the rain that's supposedly coming, and then you get a two, three inch rain, and now you've just created a whole you just trench did, valley instead of. Mm-hmm. You just did the opposite of what ridge tills absolutely supposed to be doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and you think about planning conditions, especially the planning conditions we've had here you know over the last few years it's we're not we're not planting into you know western nebraska where they're begging for moisture a lot of times in the spring a lot of times we are pushing it mm-hmm. too wet to to get seed in the ground and and so if you if you disturb that wet soil right in front of the planter unit then it sticks to every piece of the planter unit from there back and gauge wheels ball up gauge wheels ball mm-hmm. up you get a half inch of dirt built yep. on a gauge wheel you just lost a half inch of depth yeah mm-hmm. that's exactly right yeah. yeah so i mean it's it's yeah, but something it, to watch out at for. At that point, also, you start talking about wet soils or wet conditions. You got to start looking at your down pressure. Yep. Mm-hmm. You you start smearing sidewalls. You start compacting the ground, and and yeah, airbags are good. Springs are okay if they're used the right way. Right. Right. And it's not gonna like just like row cleaners. It's not gonna be one setting for each field. You may have one setting in the morning afternoon and evening yeah mm-hmm. it's you got to get out of a tractor every now and then walk around and stretch your legs start <laughs> see what's dig going. a little bit you yeah know? dig a little see bit what's happening. a big thing yeah um, and be, be ready to make an adjustment sure mm-hmm. i mean i'm guilty of it i'll you know roll from one field to the next and you're like ah you know i i dug it up a couple hours ago or something like that in a different field yeah. um, but you change soil types you know mm-hmm. and, and that's where the the add-ons they're, that's their claim to fame. Mm-hmm. They're monitoring it for you or trying to, but don't don't trust them completely. Get out there and do do your own checks. Yeah, yeah. Now the downforce on on each uh, each individual row unit, it's a it's a big deal. And yeah, we didn't we didn't talk about that before, but it definitely keeping that consistent and what it needs to be to get the unit to go in the ground, however whatever depth mm-hmm. you're trying to run is is important. Yeah, and, and those could. They, they do their job, but they could also give you a lot of information and say, okay, we're, we can't achieve this depth. Yeah. Well, it may be time to pull out of that field. If we're mm-hmm. not going to do it right the first time, let's not – don't don't yeah. keep doing it just to do it. Right, yeah. Find and, somewhere else or – Yeah, and by being able to monitor that on each row, I mean, you, it's pretty interesting what you can pick up on a planter. Mm-hmm. You know, I had a, had a planter that was a 12-row deer that – had never monitored it before and we found out that the center rows were riding up and we never knew it till we put that on there and we just had to fill the liquid tanks to add weight so i mean yep a lot of info can be gained by those add-ons yeah it's funny that that adding weight thing is a big deal that people don't think about but when you're when you're trying to plant two and a half three inches deep in in a soil that's not loose on top i mean you just i mean just think about if you need so you need 500 pounds per row to make that thing go in the ground evenly and consistently. We we'll count you, all those rows on there, and you've only multi- got 400 in the planter. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's right. it's not going to work. Yeah, exactly. That's I, the thing. I've seen guys go as far as you know a, a 12 row Kinsey or 12 row deer, you know, open frame. They go out and buy three inch, three eighths flat stock. Yep. And just cut it to yep. length and put it in there. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can't adjust the springs to where the it adds weight. I mean, you can adjust the springs to put down pressure on the thing, but only if there's weight in the planter yeah. to, to force against it. Yep. You know, mm-hmm. the math problem, the math equation still has to work. Well, in mm-hmm. the, the monitoring systems, they could show us ghosts from the past. Yeah. Planter okay. tracks cross field, combine tracks, grain car passes. It's, yeah. Yeah, we talked. You uh, pick them up. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Anhydrous cart or anhydrous mm-hmm. tank tracks. Um, yeah, that yeah. wheel traffic is a big deal. Those mm-hmm. three thousand gallon anhydrous tanks sound good until you start seeing that. Yes, <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. Being able to run longer on a tank certainly. I mean, there's there's trade offs to everything, right? Yep. Um, so let's talk about. We talked a little about row cleaners. Uh, another thing that you see, uh, you know, you mentioned the Keaton seed firmers. You mentioned liquid systems, kind of a little mm-hmm. bit before. What do you guys see? Something that that works great. Something that doesn't work great. Anything in between. I've I've got quite a bit of experience on the liquid side. I don't know you've got a fair amount. Yeah, we've we've got we've got quite a few planters running liquid. Um, but two by two systems are the ones that are the biggest pain. You know, you 
in our area, like I said earlier, we're, we're not planting a square field. And we're looking at 16, 24 row planters with a two by two fertilizer system on there. Well, that, that delivery point may be a foot and a half or two foot in front, could be a foot behind where the seeds dropped. Yep. If we start working on a contour, and we're already pushing the salt content of that starter fertilizer being that close to the row, and we, we run that contour and run that seed trench over top or right beside that two-by-two two placement, that's a big problem. Yeah. there There's a lot of two-by-two two placements out there, or systems out there that I don't like them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But there's, there's I, mean, a, I mean, they're agronomically sound. Yes. But there's yes. just immense logistical issues like what you're talking oh, about. Oh, yes. Oh yeah, I mean, so the keep that in mind. I'm not gonna say one's better than any other. They all kind of do their job and they do what they're supposed to. But if it's not set up for your area or where you farm or how you farm, make adjustments. Right. So you don't like it put in, and you're talking the knifed in, knifed in two, two by two, two inches from the seed, two okay. inches below. Okay, gotcha. So what about in furrow? In furrow's great. Okay. I mean, it, it, again, that goes to a placement setup. Yeah. Um, mm. And it's not just placement, it's product. Uh, different products are going to have higher salt contents and different soil types can handle higher salt contents than others. So know your soil, know your product, and plan your rates accordingly. So, sure. What, I, about, what about the systems that, you know, there's some that, that spray it on the surface, out the tail... There's some that kind of run it, in, run it, almost like a two by two system next to the row out the tail. You guys have seen much of that, or does yeah. it work? Or yeah, I've got I've got some that are, are driven along the top at the back of the closing system, um, and a majority of mine that I've dealt with are running them in the trench with with Keaton's. Yeah, mm -hmm. um, that's a pretty fail. It seems like a pretty fail safe. It's yeah, probably one of the biggest problems with them is is getting plugged up down there to tip. And right, mm -hmm. it's pretty easily resolved. It just Making sure you check that throughout the year. They yeah. get gummed up and get full, and then you don't realize yeah, or it you, unless you don't Somebody check. backs up about six inches with mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 back up while you still got it down. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I mean, there's there's others out there. There's conceals a two by two mm -hmm. deal, but it's actually a three by two. It's mm -hmm. at the gauge wheel, so that's one I like for contours. The mm -hmm. Schaefer's got one that's similar to the Keaton. It works pretty well. There's oh, tubulars. To, yeah, totally tubulars. Um, yeah. It's it's all preference mm -hmm. at sure. that point. It, yeah, kind of what fits in your yeah agronomic system, I guess, and, and soil economic. type, and and yeah. I mean, there yep. there's some of them out there, like the, obviously the conceal and the uh, the furrow jet. jet. They're expensive, but I mean they if, do if, a good job placing it. They do. And, yeah, yeah, and they follow. The path, the planter pass. I was just going to say that, that, you know, those kind of ride there with the gauge wheel. That yep. kind of yeah. eliminates your problem of, of it, does. it moving, you know, on you when yep. you turn corners and mm -hmm. things like that. So. Yeah. Yep. Placement's great on those. I don't, I've, we've got uh, one system out that I can think of off the top of my head running those and we get along, get along great with them. And the placement is probably my favorite part about them. Oh, yeah. They're a little more labor intensive to put on, but they're very, more, very much more consistent. Mm hmm. Yeah, so you know, I know you like the Keaton Seed Firmer, and there's there's other versions of that. I'm not trying yeah. to name drop a brand or anything like that, but but, uh, but essentially it's a piece of plastic that firms the seed. Yeah, you you guys like those? I mean, firmers are great. Yeah, I love firmers. I think they're I think they're great. And I if I row cropped, I would have them on my planter. Um, just knowing that they're back there, getting that seed down, getting good soil contact with the seed is. They, Great. Absolutely. I mean, you're thinking about, you know, what we've talked about, you know, here we're pushing planting. Sometimes we're pushing it way too wet, but also sometimes we're pushing it when the ground is starting to dry out a little bit too. Yeah. So mm -hmm. having those seed farmers pushing that seed into the ground, make sure you have good soil contact. It's definitely going to help. Yeah, by, you're definitely going to be able to help bring in moisture into that seed to make sure it gets out take off it's um, not sitting in an air pocket absolutely yeah. it's not yeah. sitting in an air pocket i mean then you're Especially. then you're affecting germination times and yep. you, the ones that are on the bottom of the trench actually germinate the one that's sitting up you get a run that's not gonna yep. that's not gonna produce yeah that's one of the nice things about the farmers is it, it helps it helps have a consistent um germination and so they come out and you kind of get more of that picket 
picket fence look when mm-hmm. you're thinking about corn. Um, <laughs> they also get neglected. That's true. They, do. they get yep. neglected and they get abused. Just like a, we said, plugging up the, the liquid side of things when you back up. You not only plug them up, but more than likely you're going to bend them up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And truthfully, they get more often than not probably ran longer than they should. Yeah, well, it's a piece of plastic. Yep, you don't. I mean, it's, it's an add-on. You don't think about it. Yeah, you see them back there, but well, you just you reaching got, down and touching them every once in a while is gonna. The the Keatons actually come in two different versions. You've got the low pro and the the standard profile. The standard profile in in our geography really doesn't work because we talk about wet soils, sticky soils. The stickier that soil is it's going to build up on that Keaton just like it will a gauge wheel. And it's going to do exactly what a gauge wheel does. It's going to ride that Keaton out of the ground mm-hmm. and very good chance of pulling the seed back out yeah. with it. Dragging that seed out of the actual, dragging it out so of the trench. That there are companies made. that sell, mail order companies, I'm not going to say anything, that they all they sell is the high profile tail. And more often than not, that's what I see on planters. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, it's a good tip. So... So kind of getting at, going after that um, to the closing wheels. <laughs> there's just like we were saying. There's a million different kinds of row cleaners, different kinds of uh, liquid systems. Talk a little bit about closing wheels. Um, it seems like everything comes with some sort of just rubber tire on there. Two um, on one. You got you got the singles too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. True. <laughs> yep. Um, but um, that doesn't always work in everybody's planning conditions. Yeah. So what do you guys see out there? What do you see running that works in certain conditions? It, it really varies from what I see. I, there's a lot they of them. All that, work. They all work. They all do their job. But it, again, comes down to the conditions that your, your planner's in. I mean, I see a lot of one-side-spoke closing wheel one rubber and i kind of or one side spoke and and one side cast yep i've seen the casts and uh, i kind of like that spoked wheel but again it's going to come down to each individual operator's operation Uh, uh, what's going to fit their fields best if you're in a a stickier or or damper environment the spike is going to help you it's not going to pinch that that top closed as bad Mm -hmm. um you go over to the Let's say the case style, the single press wheel with two little miniature discs sitting there pulling soft dirt back over the top of the trench. Um, they work really, really good in a conventional, a conventional tillage practice. You're not the the ribs on that single wheel, that single press wheel. There's there's little rubber ribs around there, and they radiate out from a single rib down the center radiate out and it leaves indentations in that soil and so if you get hot dry crust over that's where it's going to break the, the seed is going to push up it's going to break that soil at those ribs and that rib's supposed to run right down the center of the seed trench mm-hmm. so i mean there's it, it all depends on the planter it all depends on the conditions you know a couple things i want to talk about there but um but one of which being that that yeah i mean it, meant to work in a conventional till system. I think a lot of those are. And so you this, you know, the more we see guys no tilling soybeans and things like that, the more we see different kinds of closing wheels because the with in those minimum or no till situations, sometimes closing that trench can be a big deal. You know, if, if we Yeah, if we have if we haven't tilled the surface of the soil, you know, we run a planter unit through there. There's no loose soil to put back on top of the, the seed trench because we haven't made any loose soil. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's why they're, you know, those spikes are, mm-hmm. are there. But yeah. you got to watch out because pretty soon you, you know, you know, till because you're like, well, we, you know, we had all this, uh, you know, we crusted over last year when I, when I tilled this field, none of my beans came up. So this year I'll fix that. I'll, I'll no till them. You got to be careful that your planter is not doing so much tillage that, yeah. <laughs> you know, that yeah. with the closing wheels, that pretty soon it crusts over again just because yes. you ran an aggressive closing wheel. Or either that, or your aggressive closing wheel is actually pulling that seed back out of the trench after mm-hmm. it's already went through. Yep. Um, you know, if you don't have them adjusted right, or you got yeah. the tension tension on it too tight, you're yep. undoing everything you just did. By yeah, you definitely want to make sure they're running true. And then you could put a whole new a whole new wrinkle in there with drag chains yeah yeah i mean they work great in certain conditions right i wouldn't think i mean 
I guess I wouldn't think those would work very good in, in high residue situations where. No, they don't. You know, because you would to. you'd be dragging the whole field behind you. <laughs> but you, you but little, if you, you don't, miniature hay bales back. There. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> rye cover crop or something yeah. like that. Yeah, <laughs> well, you you know you mentioned that and the, some of those really aggressively spiked wheels don't. Though they may be made for no-till, they are not made for running in cover crops because no, you're going to be wet wrapping yep. cereal rye behind that planter with and those things. And at that point, you want to maybe look at a, the sharper knife on the sharp tooth, yeah. you know, a curved time sharp knife. That way, it's, it, all it's doing is, is dragging that ground. It's right. not, not digging anything. It's just dragging the top and trying to cut some residue out of the way. It's definitely hard to... Um, seems like it's hard to pick, pick one without... Ordering in, it seems like the sounds like the worst idea in the world. But like just ordering some and trying them trying on them. your on your planning conditions. Is everybody you know everybody's are different. So. I had, I had one guy that had four different closing wheels on his planter, four sections of his planter with four different style closers. And first hundred acres, he changed them twice. You know? Yeah, yeah. It's just like there's multiple combinations and just. Pick one that you like and what's going to do the job. And, yeah, exactly. And what, be, but be willing to change if you yeah. if you can be willing to change it. Yep. yep. Well, I think we could agree on that. Just kind of what what you guys have said here and whatnot that a lot of times the stock ones aren't right, though. I mean, like just like we've said, you need to pick ones that work for your system, work in work in the way you're uh, the way you're planting it. You know, conditions that you're planting into. Yet every planter you go to the dealership and buy has the exact same ones on there and and it's no fault of the dealer it's no no fault of the manufacturer it's let's pick one that would work for a majority of the acreage that this planter could be sold in sure Mm -hmm. yeah yep yeah that's what they're looking out for which which makes a lot of sense shoot go to the dealer if you're buying a new planter and order it bare bones yeah, they don't like it, but they'll do it. <laughs> it's either that or they're not going to sell a planter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Make that one right at the end of the year where they got a number that they got to they got to meet. Yeah, <laughs> you can order a frame and shank. Yeah, yeah. And build no, it the way you want. Yeah, that's true. And anymore that that does it seems like it, it happens more and more where you know you can almost custom build something because. The row, the row units are fairly standard. Um, Shoot, there's there's companies out there that are making their own row unit. Mm-hmm. That yep. you, if you wanted to, go dealer, buy a frame. Yep. Or there's a lot of planters out there, and they do really, really well. Old planter frames, or older, mm-hmm. that guys have stripped mm-hmm. and, and said, here, this is what I want to do. What do we need to add to this to make it happen? And so... I've been part of it. We we get a frame and shank, and you build it up from there. Mm-hmm. Or we go out there and help tear it down. Yeah. 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 You, you put a whole new row unit on. I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, you yeah. add your own row unit anymore. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. It's, it's pretty neat how some just some of the newer aftermarket companies we have just have a lot of availability of, of parts and pieces and stuff that we can put to, use kind of some of our own creativity to put stuff together and mm-hmm. you don't have to stick with the top manufacturers on frames yeah you can go to is it harvest international mm-hmm. that they make a lot of different frames and you okay i like this frame with this row unit and this closing wheel and this meter and this downforce system and blah 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 it, yeah You've got a whole custom planner. You might as well paint it purple. Nobody will know who's. In it. Yeah. <laughs> that's good. That's good. I don't. I don't identify with any well, of them. Somebody might think it came from K State or something. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, no, I don't we'll... think I painted purple, but no. Let's <laughs> go gray. That's great. Non, yeah, nondescript or that's whatever. Pretty it ambiguous. Is. Yeah. There you go. Um, I guess lastly, as far as add-ons on the on the precision side of things, you know, there's a there's just a million different things that you can do from clutches to different monitors to uh, population, you know, all that kind of stuff. What, what works, what makes the most sense. And again, I know you're going to give me the, it depends answer, which is kind of what I want. That's fine. <laughs> but you know, kind of what do you see that works? Why does it work? I, I'm becoming a bigger and bigger fan of all electric planners. I mean, we're getting rid of those, 
you know, we mentioned planter maintenance and chains and bearings being an issue. And at that point, we're eliminating that stuff. And I know usually the the big holdup is it's all electric. Oh, man, I'm going to have so many wiring problems. But these systems are so smart anymore that if you do have a wire issue, it pretty much points you to the row of where that is and what, you know, what line that's on. And it's actually pretty easy to troubleshoot. Um, it, it's not bad to troubleshoot. It's not bad to repair. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, it, it sounds bad, but the the best repair that I can think of is when you actually cut the, the line completely in half. It's easy to find. It's easy to find the problem and fix the problem. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, yeah, you're, you're eliminating all those wear points. And then, you know, obviously we mentioned about weight. On the planter, you are removing a lot of weight, so a lot of times it does require adding some sort of weight back, whether that's flat stock or or actual suitcase weights, suitcase weights, um, yeah, or, or filling liquid, liquid tanks, just with uh, water, or something. yeah, just with water, just to get weight. And, yep. Um, Make your neighbors it, talk about what you're yep, putting, putting makes, on for liquid. Oh yeah, it makes a really <laughs> clean planter. Um, that's irrigated planter. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's the other thing with going all electric. You remove all that stuff. You don't have near as much to worry about cutting wires. So I've, no. I've kind of become a big fan of electric drives, I, driving I, the meters. And I like, like the that. electric drives as well, but for a whole other side of things, the bigger the planter gets, again, I'm going back to we're not planting square fields. Right. If you're turning, what happens to that planter? It's just like a sprayer. One side may go at .01 mile an hour, and the other side's going at 40. Mm-hmm. what happens to your seed placement what happens to your the the torque on the planter but with the electric drive and turn compensation we don't have to worry about a thin stand on one side of the planter on the outside of the field or or 60 80,000 plants on the on the inside of the field mm-hmm. making a turn yeah we maintain our spacing integrity yeah. with Huh. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense because you know the, you don't have too many of those little drive wheels, and if you got mm-hmm. one on, you know, that twenty-four row planer, those things are really far apart. Yeah, mm-hmm. So and they get to humming. Oh yeah. Yeah, they do. And at that point, that's stress on the drive system. It I go to another side of things. It obviously population's jacked up. Weed control canopy time is jacked up. Let's we can eliminate those problems. That's going to make everything better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Um, there's and there's turn compensation on everything not just the seed I mean if you if you add some starter systems to it it'll give you turn compensation on the starter as well mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which if nothing else that acts as a clutch on the starter system because you yeah. know historically those have been I don't know 24 row planter you may have three or four sections I've done yeah. one as far as six and yeah. we've done one every row. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. well, I mean, there's a lot of those fields that you see out there that it, so it'd be hard to find a spot in the field where you weren't turning to some degree. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if yeah. you're if you're playing on the contour with with terraces laid out on the contour, I mean, you're. I don't understand terraces. <laughs> <laughs> That's for a different podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything, <laughs> anything I'm missing as far as planer add-ons, some maintenance things that you guys see that that we didn't talk about? I've got I've got another question for you, but I wanted to make sure before we moved on. Um, I mean, not really. I can think of just general meter maintenance. Guys taking those plates out at the end of the season, yeah. um, so we're not messing up seals or brushes in the meter and. Um, running the running the darn things getting them on a test stand make sure that they are performing optimum i mean we can get a meter to test out darn near perfect in a perfect environment but if a meter is testing out uh, say 95 percent accurate in a perfect environment what's it doing when it's bouncing on the row unit mm-hmm. that's what we're trying to eliminate we're trying to there's always going to be error but if we can eliminate as much as we can. And one thing we hadn't talked about it is the, the belt drives or the, the speed systems, the high speed systems with the belt or the, the brush guided seed to the bottom of the row unit. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like selling those to get a guy to go fast. It's, I don't want that to be the motivation. Mm-hmm. Right. 
I want the motivation to be, I want to space my seed as perfect as I possibly can. And we eliminate that bounce in that 14, 16 inch seed tube and we drop that seed. We've got a down pressure system that's keeping that row unit at the depth it's supposed to be. We've got an electric meter that's sitting there and keeping the speed consistent based on ground speed and then we're dropping that seed gently. Mm-hmm. So I, I like those, but it, I, I don't like hearing, or it, it makes me cringe when somebody says, well, I want that to go 10 mile an hour. No, it's funny because that's, I mean, that's, that's where my mind automatically goes, but that seems to be how they're marketed, you know, like speed is somewhere in the title of every yeah. single oh, one yeah. of those systems. Yeah, and it's funny, whenever, <laughs> whenever they do put them on, you know, they're talking big, they're going to be going 10 mile an hour and... Uh, you talk to them at the end of the season or get, get with them looking at the data and, and they may pushed it a little bit, but typically it's not as much as they claim. Yeah. You know, if they were planting four and a half mile an hour, maybe they bumped it up to five six, and a half, six, six, you know, six and, and a half. Yeah. And, and it may vary. They may hold an average speed of six, but some areas they were planting seven, mm-hmm. seven and a half, maybe yeah. eight. But yeah, I, I don't ever really sell it as a, Mm-mm. as a speed thing. It's a more of a, Honestly, that's spacing uh, and seed placement. It's my, consistency product. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My opinion, that was it, it, they screwed up marketing it that way. Yeah. When they should have marketed it as this could be the most accurate planner we could possibly ever have. Gives you the option to go faster, but you market as a ten mile an hour planner. Yeah. There's fields I've been in that I don't know how you sit in a seat eight <laughs> mile an hour. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it seems really fast. The front end comes off the ground. And yeah. The liner's still going. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Look at me. Yeah. <laughs> well, moving on a little bit then. Um, once we've got the thing out there and in the ground in the spring, um, hopefully, hopefully nice and early this coming spring. But um, once we get out there and are running in the field, what do you guys see screwed up the most? Mice. <laughs> mice. Mice, yeah, mice. Now yeah. and then. No. Yeah. Oh, look, this, this meter's not working. Something's wrong with the meter. Something's wrong. And you go out there, you drive 40 minutes and go take a meter off a planter for a guy, and you open it up, and it's full of mouse nest. Mm-hmm. Well, your CCS hoses had a mouse nest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's yep. just little stuff like that that's – it costs that guy – Two hours, yeah, cost me <laughs> at least an hour to drive over there, and then sure, you know that, that yeah adds up. Yeah, small things like that really add up time at the beginning of the season for growers. It slows them down, and it's usually small, minuscule stuff like mm-hmm. a mouse nest or something like that. Just lack of bringing it out before going to the field. They, I think they pulled it out weird. of cold storage, put seed in it, took it. And went, you know, expecting it to work, which it, it should. But, yeah. <laughs> but there's things that are out of our control that, that happen when it's even sitting. Mm, right. Guys not checking their depth mm-hmm. yeah. from the end of the season last year to putting it in the ground in spring. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. yep. Checking the depth. And that's something you could do in the, you know, early. Yeah. It's always good to throw a little bit of seed in it. You know, if you're planting corn, go put a little bit of corn, I don't care, leftover seed or something. Go plant it in one of your bean fields. Mm-hmm. And Pull you out. don't have to go plant acres. Plant 50 foot, 100 foot. Give that planter time to scour itself off. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, I guess you'd be planting more than 50 foot, but... Give it time to scour everything off and give you some time to sit there and check the depth mm-hmm. when you're not sitting there thinking, I should be planting. Yep, absolutely. When you start taking off that planter, you know, go a little ways, but then make sure you get out and you check each one of those row units. Because like we said, even if you did the maintenance perfect, uh, you know, at this time of year, there still could be something that, mm-hmm. you know, you overlooked or you missed or something got loose even when you were going down the field. So it's really important to... Or a spacer's missing from a closing wheel. Absolutely. And all of a sudden, that one's not turning. Yeah. Yep. Or you didn't you, set your you pressure on yeah. your closing You missed a shim or you know anything. Yep. And so just by, like you said, planting just a little bit and getting out and then inspecting each row, making sure the depth on each one was right. I mean, that goes a long ways. 
And, it, and that's doing a lot of things. You're getting your, your vacuum set. You're getting your CCS pressure set if it's bulk fill. You're obviously you're, you're shining everything up. Yeah. Uh, double checking your meters. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm not going to say there hasn't been meters that I've helped test and there's been issues. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it yeah. was just an error. Yes. Yeah. It's one of those things, you know, we think about it, you know, even if you did that perfect and, you know, we did the maintenance and we, you know, checked our planner out at the beginning and, you know, everything was right. It's it's always a good idea to, you know, if you're going to put in 500 acres of corn, you know, maybe after the first 200 acres or so, you recheck it again or even mm-hmm. sooner than that, you know, yeah. not just check it the first time and say, okay, I'm good for the year till I switch to beans and then recheck it again from the no. depth on that. No, you need to, I mean... You got to stretch your legs sometime. Mm-hmm. You, you know, yeah. pull into a new field, check it. You know, do the same thing. Pull a little bit of it and then check it again before you go from hill ground to bottom ground. Absolutely, it's, yeah. yeah. And that that pulling the planter out and whether it's in a bean field or the pasture Pasture's next to the house or something to run it through and check is a big benefit to me because if, if it's going to mess up, it's always something at the beginning of the year. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, they always growers always want to start in front of the house. <laughs> or next to the road, and if it messes up there, then I'm always getting a call, and that's yep. the worst and, phone call to get. Yeah. And, and especially on, on new setups. Yeah. You know, you get a new planner, you do a bunch of work to this planner. I sound bad, but it's just like spraying. You never start spraying right at the entrance of the field. <laughs> you never start planting right there where everybody can see it. Yep. Go back in the corner, do, do something, and, you know, the first time you come out of your end rows or come back in stop check your clutches yep i mean i it's happened to me i i'm I'm used to putting in measurements from hitch to drop point and feet and then all of a sudden a a update comes out or a different monitor and it wants it in inches Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden that planter is turning on 18 feet too early or 18 feet too late Mm -hmm. on or off yeah yep and that's always by the house. Oh yeah, it's right <laughs> by the house. <laughs> and you don't know it till it's up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and who knows how many acres they planted? Yep. Yeah. Or just yeah, basic. I mean, that kind of stuff would would change if you changed planter tractors or yeah. Yeah. You know, I I don't know what like I just bought a planter this year and hooked the thing up and I don't know what they were pulling it with, but when I hooked it to my tractor, it, like it wasn't even close to being level in the ground. It was like way nose down. Mm-hmm. Um, stuff like that you don't really think about. I mean, that thing is made to run level. Yep. Like if you're the other thing everybody forgets is you know you get two point hitches on these yep. planters. Yeah. And we're talking terraces. You go up and over a terrace. What are you going to do? You're going to raise your two point. What happens if you forget to put it back down? Yep. Mm-hmm. You know. Yep. It, it affects the entire row unit. Yeah, I guess that's one thing we hadn't really touched on was planter running level. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's that's an easy thing that's to do. Is easy to get check right off the bat. An eight mm-hmm. inch or whatever magnetic level, just set it on that frame. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Get it level. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Yeah. It's. I mean, that's certainly where it's designed to. I think that you know, like whether you go back to our discussion of the closing wheels or the planter unit, or I mean, it's just it's how it's designed to run, and if you're trying to run it. In some way where it's not designed, all those angles are wrong. It's just not. It's mm-hmm. not going to do what you want it to do. They're called parallel arms for a reason. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. supposed yeah. to be parallel with something. <laughs> it's not supposed to be pointing up to the sky or down to the ground. It's just get them. Yeah, they don't have to be perfect on the parallel arm, but get your frame as close as yep. you can. Yeah, for sure. Cool. Did we, well, did we miss anything infield? Do you guys want to cover before we call it a day here? I don't think Not so. I mean, I'm sure. I'm sure we did. I'm sure, there's something. Yeah. But good. Well, if you forget something, then we'll. I'll call you. We'll have to. Yeah. yeah, that'll help. I'll leave you a yeah. voicemail, and you can just <laughs> put it in the podcast. Perfect. Well, no, if uh, if you forgot something, then then you've got to come back on again. So oh. no, this is. I thought this was a one-time. <laughs> no, I, I'm good now, right? <laughs> no, but you know, we think we we've talked about it. Uh, you know, we've talked about it here and we've talked about it before, but, you know, you're thinking about one of the most expensive costs that the producer has is their seed. And that's one of the most expensive input costs. Well, that pass that they're making with the, that planter is correct. the most important the, pass. That's, that's yep. exactly what I was going to say is the most important yep. pass that you're going to make as the producer is the planter pass. Because if you don't have the seed in the ground, 
you don't have it in the right so it can come up, well, then the rest of the year is yeah. all for naught. So, Sorry, I didn't, I didn't mean to steal no, your glory on that one. No, no. That, <laughs> well, you get one chance, too. This is, yeah. I mean, this is, yeah, you have one chance to have Who the right. Won? I mean, you know, you can replan and stuff, but you don't always necessarily have the best opportunity in your replan situation. So Who that's why it's very critical. Who goes out with the planner and says, I'm going to do this, and I'm, but I'll come back and do it again. Yeah. Correct. No, yeah. Correct. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, that's Adam what, does. That's yeah. right. Not me. <laughs> yeah, that's me. But, I mean, that's why we're talking about that. That's why this, this is important, you know, is to making sure that you have everything, at least attempting to have everything right. So when you do make that critical first pass, that important first pass, you're trying to set yourself up for the best opportunity you can for yeah. that year. Any any small issue on that pass is going to haunt you for the rest of the season. Well, yeah. I guess one thing we didn't touch on with the monitors and such is take the time. It's like right now or in the next month or two. You, if you've got time, sit in front of that monitor and clean your old hybrids out. Clean the old numbers out of there and put your new ones in. And just get that clean so you're not sitting there jacking with it in the side of the field. Or you're like, oh, I don't want to take the time to do it. And so you don't. You just pick a random number. That, it doesn't do you any good to record that information. Right. Record keeping maintenance. Yeah. Yeah. Whole nother topic. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Sorry, I didn't mean, mean to go down that rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah. No, it, it makes a lot of sense, though. Because, yeah, I mean, that's it's it doesn't – yeah, exactly. I mean – it does you good to sit there and key in the correct information. It doesn't do anybody any good to just make stuff up or key in the wrong information. Yep. I mean, it, yeah. Good data in, good data out. Yeah. Yep. And then what's the point of having that? Just, I mean, obviously the clutches and the monitoring and all that. But if you're recording something, get something out of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Valuable information to be had. Because especially if you make sure you have the right hybrids in there, then when you that field comes back and it does better than the other field, and then you like, oh, what did I plant there so I can go back and you know, think about it for the next year? Well, if you put it in the monitor, right, then you're going to be able to have that record. You've got and it. you're then. not going to be like, oh, oh yeah, this is, what I, this is what I planted three years ago because I didn't want to take the time to change it out. So. <laughs> I planted corn. corn. Yeah. <laughs> or soybeans. Some yeah. type of corn went here. Yeah. Well, I sprayed water. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't get me started. Don't, yeah. Don't bring that up. <laughs> Whole new discussion. You guys are opening up all kinds of topics here. Well, we're uh, just giving you ideas for the next one. Good. Hey, so. we need them. We need them. So that's great. Well, Matt, Jared, I can't thank you enough for for coming on here. Like I said, I'm sure we'll we'll force you to come back. We'll pick um, our checks up at the door, right? Yeah. Yep. Those are. Uh, I'll put. I've the got, IRS sent them out this past week. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> we're, we're putting stamps on them as you speak. Um, anyway, thank you guys so much for for being on here. Uh, folks, I hope we kicked at least got you thinking about your planner, uh, about a planner you you have a part in uh, sitting in a shed somewhere. Hopefully, you think about it a little differently the next time you walk by it this winter uh, before we get into planning season next year. And uh, thanks for listening in. Thanks for listening to Made for Agriculture. Email comments and questions to podcast at mfa-inc.com.